prologue for Skydance Interactive's upcoming VR title, The Walking Dead, Saints and Sinners, a podcast series called Supernatural Skeptic's Guide to New Orleans, is out now. It follows Sarah Bennett, the host of a local radio series, investigating New Orleans' most popular paranormal tales as she uncovers the surge of walkers taking over the city and becomes trapped in one of New Orleans' most notorious landmarks, the LaRouche House. Supernatural Skeptic's Guide to New Orleans, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn plus Alexa, or at hvrwalkingdead.com. This week on Myths and Legends, we're continuing the Chinese story of the white snake. We'll see a health insurance plan that involves wrestling a deer for life-saving medicine, and you'll also see how to battle your way to an awesome seafood buffet. The creatures this week are possibly the angriest, most relentless antagonists we've had on this podcast. That's right. They are the little ghost turtles. This is Myths and Legends, episode 164B. Enlighten me. This is a podcast where I tell stories from mythology and folklore. Some are incredibly popular stories you think you know, but with surprising origins. Others are stories that might be new to you, but are definitely worth a listen. Previously on the podcast, Xu Xian, in a past life, saved a demon, one in the form of a little white snake, and changed the course of her life forever. The white snake, who would come to be named Lady Bai, learned that Xu Xian had been reborn, and so she was going to find him and marry him to repay the kindness he had done to her and help him out on the road to enlightenment. She recruited another demon, another little snake to her cause, Little Blue, and ended up marrying Su Xian, who I'm just going to be calling Xian from here on out because the other one is very hard for me to say. Xian ended up as a successful pharmacist, and the demons, not quite able to suppress their bad sides, robbed a shipment of sandalwood, which attracted the attention of a monk by the name of Fahai, who visited Xian and gave him a potion to give to the sick Lady Bai, who showed her true form to her husband. Xian then died of a heart attack. Three weeks later, Lady Bai stole into the city after nightfall. She was not in her usual flowing gowns or dresses, but in the clothes of a traveler with two swords strapped to her back. Her clothes, of course, had started out white, but they were now caked with the dirt of half a world's worth of travel. It had been a long trip. When Xian collapsed, she knew there was only one thing to do. In the palace of the Southern Pole, there was a plant that would heal him. Even though it was guarded by the fearsome boys, Crane and Deer, who were a crane and a deer, it was what she must do. She rode clouds when she could, and before long, she was at the South Pole. Seeing the flower, she leapt over the sleeping deer, deer, and grabbed the flower when he woke up. She broke down crying, explaining the whole situation, and the deer was actually pretty cool. He said that Lady Bai's words had moved him. He let her go, but told her to watch out for his brother. That guy was a jerk. Cue the flapping of wings, and the giant crane, named Crane, fluttered down from the sky. He had Lady Bai in her snake form, when one of the immortals intervened. Old Greybeard wouldn't even look at the white snake, saying that Crane, the crane, was to let her go. Xian was supposed to wake up, so they would let her leave. 
Don't worry though, even though Crane had to let her go today, she would be defeated at a later time by another. The white snake didn't tarry, slithering off before the immortal changed his mind. But the words stuck with her. Who was it, then, who would defeat her? Back in the city, she found Blue still caring for her husband, though the story says he was dead, and it had been a number of weeks, so I'm not sure what she was doing beyond coating the room with Febreze. Before Lady Bai crushed up the herb, Blue stopped her. Xian had seen a white snake. Lady Bai nodded. She tossed a handkerchief on the floor, waved her hands, and it became a living, breathing white serpent. Whoa, cool, Blue said. Yeah, sorry in advance, Lady Bai said, and then snip, 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 snip. Both snakes in human form looked at all the bloody snake bits on the floor. So is that like murder for us, or... Blue asked. Who's to say? All right, let's wake him up, Lady Bai said. She was hiding her swords, tossing her traveling clothes into the fire, and throwing the snake bits out the window before picking up her husband. They laid the prone form of Xi'an out on the bed and gave him the elixir. He woke up screaming, pointing his finger at Lady Bai in blue. Demons, they were demons. Lady Bai smiled and hugged him, but he pushed her away. Blue said that he might want to check his attitude. If it wasn't for her, he'd be dead. Xi'an said he had seen it. He had seen her show her true form. Blue asked if he could rise, and he managed to. They led Xi'an over to the window and asked him to look down into the garden. What did he see? He looked down. Snake bits. He saw white snake bits. Wait. Lady Bai said that he had discovered a serpent in her room and bravely passed out. Blue came in with a knife and cut it to pieces. Lady Bai, though, called in all the favors from any of her father's old connections to get him the medicine he needed. He was in a coma for weeks, but he survived. She smiled and held her husband. Xian sighed. Well, he felt like an idiot. He apologized to his wife and her servant. It was obvious that he was in the wrong here. He thanked her for going to such lengths to save his life. He went to go speak with his assistants and to see how his business was doing after the extended, unplanned vacation. Lady Bai and Blue looked at each other. Huh, well, that was easy, they thought. Things returned to normal, except about a week later, they received a letter from some monk named Fahai. Xian had shaved his head and taken his vows. He was leaving Lady Bai forever. he attended the unveiling of our statues and just came up to me, begging for help. Said he was all about that monk life. Shaving his head, austerities, couldn't get enough of it. Anything to get him closer to the Buddha and farther away from her. Didn't say who her was. Any ideas? The monk, Fahai, asked Lady Bai when she and Blue arrived at the Golden Mountain Temple. Lady Bai narrowed her eyes and then smiled. She said there had to be some mistake. This wasn't like him. If he became a monk, the Xu family died with him. She just had to go talk with Xian. Fahai stepped in front of her as she tried to push past him. Ah, he was afraid she wasn't allowed back there. Employees only sort of deal. Then Lady Bai broke down crying. 
It had worked on deer, the deer, in the South Pole Palace, after all. But Fahai only shrugged. No, sorry. Then Lady Bai cleared her throat. Okay. Well, how about she kills him where he stands, and cuts him up into little pieces, and then burns those pieces? Huh? How's that sound, Baldy? Fahai's eyes widened. Okay. Now they were getting somewhere. Still no, though. Lady Bai took a deep breath. All right, Blue, let's kill this fool. In a second, they weren't the mild-mannered wife of Xian and her humble servant. Blue drew her swords, and Lady Bai grew and transformed until the massive white serpent loomed in the courtyard. Mm, now that's what I wanted to see, Fahai said, beaming. He whistled. An acolyte emerged from each doorway each calling on the power of the heavens to defend the Buddha. The white snake in blue burned with hatred. Each of the monks flashed while they were filled with a different spirit, a different god that would do battle through them. Fahai nodded. Lady Bai could see it now. She could see that she had been lured into a trap. He couldn't let a demon continue to walk the world, trying to corrupt a poor, innocent man like Xian. His plan had worked perfectly. But Lady Bai wasn't cowering in fear. Because, while she might have walked into a trap, she suspected as much. She came prepared. With shrimp. Yeah, if you were worried that we were going to take things too seriously, fear no more. Because before Blue and Lady Bai left their home, they made some calls. Three calls, actually. The first was to the shrimp troops. They were fighting shrimp slightly more intimidating than the shrimp troops were their generals. The crabs. How you get the side-walking crabs to march in formation is beyond me, but the show of force was enough to give even the gods themselves pause. And then the white and blue snakes charged. The battle started. Try as they might, though, the snakes couldn't overcome the power of heaven, and the army they recruited was quickly turning into an impromptu seafood buffet. I mean, you can't really blame them for thinking it might be enough. They had no idea Fahai was going to Doctor Strange them and ambush them with a whole cadre of warrior monks. If you're just fighting a group of unsuspecting religious guys and not the gods themselves, a team of militant shellfish might be enough. Alas, it was not. And as Lady Bai and Blue started to flag under the pressure of the fight, they had one more thing they could do before it was all lost. The monks, grinning in their victory, presumably already starting a low country boil with the opposing fallen army, began to feel the ground shake. Then, the shadow fell. As I said, the demons had made three calls that day. One was to the shrimp, one to the crabs, and the third was to the water itself. The great river that flowed nearby rose up in obedience to the demons, dwarfing the Golden Mountain Monastery. And it came down hard. Almost. At the last moment, the monks diverted all their gods-given power from the demons to the entirety of the river that was going to crash down on them and kill them all. Fahai, with all of his power focused on the river, looked at his demonic adversaries. The snake eyes glared at him with intense hatred before the white snake and blue dove into the wall of water. Lady Bai knew that the monks would give up fighting with them to save their monastery. It had been her escape hatch all along. Though the monks struggled... They put the river back into place. And though the entire surrounding city and farmlands were lost, the monastery had been saved. The demons were gone, though. 
it was at that time that Xian wandered out among the warriors who were cleaning up their monastery. And he found Fahai. Hey, he waved. He wasn't sure what all that commotion was, and he knew he was Fahai's prisoner and all, but he'd like to go. He missed his wife. And if he knew the ceremony honoring him was just some ruse to kidnap him, he probably wouldn't have come. Just being honest. The monk, Fahai, nodded. Well, if Xian didn't want to be held prisoner against his will, Fahai didn't want to hold him prisoner against his will. That was only courtesy. Xian was pretty sure that something in that sentence didn't make sense, but he felt like he was being released, so he didn't press his luck. He just nodded and asked to go home. Fahai said he didn't want to go home. One, his home had been completely destroyed by the flood just now. And two, his wife wouldn't be at home. Tonight, she will be staying in Xian's hometown with Xian's sister. Fahai rested a hand on Xian's shoulder. He would take the pharmacist there. But first, Fahai had something to tell him. When Lady Bai has the baby, Xian would see Fahai again. Xian nodded. Cool, cool. Hey, could he get some shrimp for the... Wait, baby? But neither his to-go request for shrimp or more information on the baby went answered because the monk pushed him backward through a portal and he fell down, sprawling out on the broken bridge in his hometown. He rose to his feet, dusted himself off, and turned to look into the angry face of his wife and Blue, who had just stepped off the boat they had taken from the monastery to Xi'an's hometown. Oh, hey honey, Xi'an said, and he swallowed hard. Their pharmacy was gone. Their millionaire VC was gone. Everyone and everything from the life they had built had been consumed by the flood that the snakes had used in their escape from the monastery. Lady Bai berated Xian for even going to that place, for abandoning them. The blow was softened a bit when she learned that it was more of a light kidnapping. I mean, Xian didn't try to escape, but he had several strong words for Fahai. I mean, okay, he more muttered them to himself later while being coldly passive-aggressive to the monk over lunch, but the monk knew. Besides, if Xian had stayed home, he would have been killed by the flood that swept through and destroyed their town. Right? The snakes in the form of women looked at each other. Yep. Yep, that flood was just a act of God. Not the result of a couple angry snakes with a shrimp army having it out with God monks. Fight over. Let's not dig any deeper here. For the second time in two hours, Xian didn't press his luck. He never won fights. So, I mean, other than being kidnapped by a monk and having their entire life aquatically dismantled, this was a pretty good day. Oh, and she's pregnant? Awesome, right? Lady Bai blinked twice. She's what now? We'll see how the couple puts their life back together, but that will be right after this. Lady Bai was pregnant, a development that was confirmed a few weeks later when they were staying with Xian's sister and caught brother-in-law. Soon after they arrived, the awkward conversation came up and Lady Bai humbled herself before the woman, begging forgiveness for Xian's three-year exile. The sister shrugged. Why? It's 
not like she had anything to do with it. That was before they met, right? Lady Bai's eyes widened. Yep, yes, absolutely. Xi'an's cop brother-in-law nodded. Seriously, honey? Those women were in white and green. These are white and blue. Totally different. No, they were white and blue too, Xi'an said. Then he turned to his wife. Why was she elbowing him? So I'm pregnant, Lady Bai said to divert the conversation before it went down too uncomfortable of a rabbit hole. Everyone's face lit up as they congratulated Lady Bai. Then Xi'an's sister spoke up, saying that she might as well compound the good news. She was pregnant as well. She just found out. It was obvious from heaven that the sisters by marriage would be pregnant together. As time went on in the house, the couple got along well. As they were escaping the flood, Lady Bai and Blue managed to sneak through their pharmacy and grab enough cash as the floodwaters flowed so that the family didn't have to work for the time being. I mean, there were countless drowning people around them, but no, yeah, just grab some walking around money. Blue consulted the oracles and found that Xi'an's sister was going to have a girl. And since Lady Bai was a 1,700-year-old demon, she knew the sex of the baby growing inside of her, so she approached her sister-in-law with an offer. Why not button everything up now? Boy and girl, I mean, was there any question? They should get married. When they're old enough. And born. The sister somehow replied that she had been thinking the exact same thing. And the marriage was arranged. One day, while Lady Bai was consulting the oracles and calculating her yin and yang, Xi'an knocked on the door. He said he had to ask his wife something. The baby. He was going to be all right right? Lady Bai said that pregnancy was always dangerous, but yeah, they would all be okay. Xi'an pursed his lips. That wink, that's what he was talking about. He breathed deep. He, he knew what she was, a snake or a demon or both, but he knew that she loved him and he loved her. It was a shock seeing her in her true form. I mean, he died for like three weeks, but she was still the woman he knew and loved. He would always love her, and do his best to protect her, no matter what. Lady Bai was moved to tears. All these years, she had worried about him finding out the truth. But, he was just as wonderful as when he had been that timber merchant, all those lifetimes ago. They embraced, and he left her to finish up what she had been doing. Lady Bai was still smiling, as she sat down to consult her fate. She couldn't believe that she had been so lucky, so blessed, twice. She sighed, and then her smile disappeared. No, that, that couldn't be right. She calculated everything out again, but it came back the same. A third time, and Lady Bai sat there in shock. There was no way around it. Her downfall was coming, and it would arrive by her husband's hands. The baby was a month old, the day when he would have his head shaved, and the mother would be reintroduced to the world after a month of rest. The boy and his cousin, slash betrothed, ended up having the same birthday. So it was going to be a busy day, with many coming by to congratulate the families and see the babies for the first time. For the two children that had lost parents at such a young age, they now had families of their own. Things were going to be all right. Except for Lady Bai. She panicked. Today was the day. 
It was the day she had been fearing, the day Xi'an would bring about her downfall. He was in her room, as someone at the entrance announced the first visitor. She gripped Xi'an's hand. Please, today, he had to stay with her by her side the whole day. He said that that was rude. They were going to have a lot of people over today, and he needed to be greeting guests. He understood if she wasn't up for it, what with giving birth to a human-looking baby that was likely some complicated spiritual amalgamation, but he had to go. She looked down at her calculations. Okay, it was only noon. They still had time. She looked up to Xi'an, who was already half out the doorway. She begged him to hurry back. But whether there had been outside interference in her fate that messed with her calculations, or she had simply been wrong, she would never know. But minutes later, when her husband yelled out that she needed to stay in her room, she knew that something had gone wrong. Xi'an had found Fahai, the monk from the Golden Mountain Temple, at the gate. True to his word, Lady Bai had given birth, and there he was. He said he was there with a begging bowl, one owned by the Buddha himself, and that he was going to trap Lady Bai in it. Xi'an said that he knew what his wife was, and he loved her. He wouldn't let this happen. Was this what the monk called good, breaking up a family, leaving a child without a mother, a husband without a wife? For what, some notion that monks were good and demons were bad? No, he wouldn't allow this. He stood in the doorway, and that's when he yelled back for Lady Bai to stay in her room. It was for her own protection. She called to him, saying that she needed him to come to her, now. He looked Fahai square in the eyes. No, he was staying right here. Fahai rolled his eyes. Well, he heard all he needed to. Literally, he knew exactly where she was now. Thanks for the help, Xi'an. With that, the beguilingly benign begging bowl of the Buddha beamed blindingly and rose from the monk's hands. It dipped and snaked its way around Xi'an, plunging into the house. Xi'an had just enough time for a stupid, quizzical look when he heard the scream from his wife's room. He slammed the gate behind him, and he ran to her. The bowl had grown, or she had shrunk, and it was pressing down on her. It had the weight of a mountain, and it was consuming her. He stood, panicked and shaking, asking what he could do. Through the pain, she held out a hand, and he took it. All he could do for her now was to be here with her. Blue rushed in the room and asked if the time had come. Lady Bai replied that it had. She knew what she had to do. Fahai was coming, like they always feared he would but Blue could still get away. When she did, she needed to take him with her. Xi'an knew who she was talking about, their son. He protested, saying that the boy belonged with his family. But through groans, Lady Bai managed to say that as long as he existed, Fahai and others like him would hunt the boy. He was an abomination to them. The trio heard the front gate crash and knew Fahai was coming. If Blue and the boy were still here when he arrived... They, too, will be trapped under his power. Blue scooped up the baby, and with a look of hatred toward Xi'an, and what he had brought on them, rushed off toward the back door. Fahai got one glimpse of her and the boy before Blue transformed into a tornado. In minutes, she was hundreds of miles away. The baby was safe. Lady Bai struggled under the weight of the bowl. With it growing, her shrinking, Xi'an tried to help her, but it was completely immovable to him as well. The sister-in-law, 
Mrs. Lee, burst in, shouting curses at Fahai and then Xi'an, the monk for doing this to an innocent woman, and the husband for letting a monk do this to his wife. When Fahai strode into the room, he looked at Lady Bai. Was she going to tell them, or should Fahai? Lady Bai said that she was everything they could fear, and more. She had been born a demon, and though she had tried to do the right thing, it had only ended in pain for her and those closest to her. Her son would be hunted. Her friend, Blue, was responsible for more deaths as a friend of Lady Bai than she would have ever been as a lowly, powerless demon, and the man she had come to repay for his kindness was now weeping at her side. She flooded a mountain, killing thousands out of love and rage. She didn't know how things had managed to go so wrong. The sister said she didn't care. They were family. She had been a wonderful, loving person. And she made mistakes. Everyone did. That didn't mean she had to submit to this zealot. Lady Bai smiled and thanked the woman. But she said that she did. This was fate. It was time for her to go. She turned to Xi'an. She didn't see how their time together could have possibly helped him. But she prayed that, after she was gone, he would seek to learn about his past lives. He was so close to enlightenment. He only had to reach out and grasp it. It wouldn't be long now. Above all, she wanted him to know that she loved him. From the very first moment, when his kindness changed the course of her life thousands of years ago, to the day her eyes closed forever, she had always loved him, and she always would. The whole family was there to see the last glimpse of her, before the bowl consumed her. Her hand was the last thing to be sucked under the upside-down bowl, grasping for Xi'an until the last. Xi'an wept for his wife as Fahai stood there, hands on his hips, the triumphant conqueror. He said he had done it. The evil was vanquished. He effortlessly scooped up the bowl, revealing the sad, tiny snake trapped in the center. He looked on the rest of the room and, with a nod, left. No one fought him. No one could. The Thunderleaf Pagoda stood five stories tall, with eight sides, a massive building for its time. In the caverns underneath the building, Fahai took the bowl. He waved his hand, and a hole opened up. He dropped the tiny white snake in without a second thought, and the ground closed around her. It was over. But it wasn't. Out there, somewhere, Blue was cradling Lady Bai's son, a being of untold power who had his family destroyed by the monk over the injustice done against one of their own. And Xi'an, well, Xi'an was finally taking a step of his own. A man who, for so long, had been pulled along, a passenger in his own life story, made a decision of his own. After another round of scorn from his sister, for losing his business, his son, and his wife, for having nothing because he fought for nothing, Xi'an made a choice. He cut his own tear-soaked hair off and stole out the window with nothing but the clothes on his back. He would grow in wisdom and power. He was going to become a monk. Find Blue, his son, and together, they were going to rescue Lady Bai. Next week, we'll wrap up the story of the White Snake with the epic confrontation between our, I guess, anti-heroes, I mean, 
they're fighting for a demon, and the antagonist, who is actually a monk trying to bring a demon who's responsible for the deaths of thousands to justice. If you'd like to support the show, beyond leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or telling a friend, there's also a membership thing on the site. For less than the price of, I guess, the very real funeral home clone, cologne that smells like a funeral home, you can get extra episodes, source pack ebooks, and ad-free versions of this show that don't smell like flowers mixed with formaldehyde. I'm serious, I have no idea why this exists. Check out support.mythpodcast.com for more info on the membership. The creatures this time are ghost turtles from Japan. More specifically, they are supon no yuri. The supon is a soft-shelled turtle and delicacy in many parts of Asia. It has a soft shell, obviously, a pointed face, and, oh yeah, a vengeance-fueled ghost that will haunt you forever. In addition to reportedly being tasty, the supon has a number of supposed properties that make its meat sought after. It supposedly gives an energy boost, virility, can make your skin look and feel better, can cure hemorrhoids, and sometimes people mix the supon blood with sake for their health. The turtles, though, are not happy about this. I don't know what the threshold is for incurring the wrath of a vengeful ghost turtle, but once you cross it, you know, because the ghost of a turtle you have killed or eaten will take possession of you, and then a variety of fun things will happen. Your face might scrunch down to that of a supon. Your skin will get slimy and scaly, and you'll sprout a soft shell of your own, becoming the very thing you slaughtered so much of. There are many different ways the ghost turtles can hassle you, though. One story tells of a store where, night after night, the owner was accosted by a swarm of spectral turtles, dragging him down into a cold, murky darkness until he repented of the practice and swore off killing turtles. Another story tells of a man who caught Sepan for a living, having a son who was born with web digits, long, pointed lips, and big turtle eyes. He could only eat worms. Still more stories tell of ghost turtles possessing other Japanese creatures in like a weird Russian nesting doll situation of malicious Japanese ghosts. I found one place that talked about it taking possession of a Takanayudo, a giant, angry priest out to scare you on the road. The Takanayudo is pretty innocuous and just tries to scare you, growing as fast as you can look up at it. The key for getting rid of the giant priest is just to not look at it, and it'll get annoyed at losing its chance to grow and just walk off in a huff. If it's possessed by an angry turtle, though, all bets are off. Some good news, though. If you just eat the turtles occasionally then, unless you're really unlucky, the ghost turtle just isn't interested in you. It's out for the big catch, the people that are catching the turtles or the restaurants that kill and cook them. If, when seeking to cure your hemorrhoids or other various medical conditions, you find yourself possessed by a ghost turtle, good luck. The curse of the ghost turtle is one of the most difficult to break because this thing will just never let you go. I mean, maybe you could say you're sorry, but even that looks like it only works part of the time. On the plus side, though, in a weird little monkey's ball turn of events, if you become a giant soft-shelled turtle, continually on the run from your friends that are hunting you for your sweet, sweet turtle meat, you probably don't care so much about your hemorrhoids or virility issues. So, you know, silver lining. That's it for this week. Myths and Legends is by Jason and Carissa Weiser. Our theme song is by the band Broke for Free, and the Creature of the Week music is by Steve Combs. There are links to even more music in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time.